Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I love these videos because, you know, everybody's saying, oh, they see the pictures. And I told Tiffany, I said, I've been looking at these pictures all week. They're like, it was all like five days ago. All right. I'm going to call up the graduates one at a time. We want to gift them, love on them, encourage them, share with you their plans, and then also pray for them. Can we handle that? Can we do that, Real Church? Let's do it. Navaya Davis. There she comes. My beautiful Vanna White over here. Tiffany will gift you. There we go. Come on, stand over here. Stand over here. I know. I know. You're so happy to be up here. I know. Sawyer. Sawyer Durden. Come on, buddy. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Come on, bud. All right. Samantha Lee Hobby. Come on, girl. All right. Mercer Parrott. Is he here this morning? He had a busy weekend, didn't he? Brother got married. A lot going on in the Parrott family. We'll, we'll make sure to gift him, all right? Uh, LaRon. LaRon. Come on, buddy. Give LaRon a hand. Woo! <laughs> Leah Hobby said he, her favorite senior. No conflict of interest there. No, no, no. Avery Slate, come on, girl. I want to say this. Your parents chose the photos, not me. So you're welcome. (laughs) Renata, Renata, there she is, Renata. Renata Stevens. All right. And then we have Zane Thonin. Not here, this, not here this morning, but that's all right. His daddy, Steve, can you come up and receive his gift, please, sir? You can thank Miss Pam Tomlinson for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Let's give Zane a hand. This is his daddy, Steve. Thank you, sir. You don't have to stand up here, Steve. You're welcome. You're welcome. And then we have our college graduates, Eva Davis. Eva, come on. Come on up. And then we have Tanner Thonin. Come on, Tanner. Let us gift you, buddy. Let us gift you, brother. All right, Steve, here he comes again. There he comes again. That's all right. Navaya plans to take a gap year and then attend cosmetology school. Is that right? That's the plan. Sawyer Durden, Georgia College in Milledgeville, majoring in computer science. Is that right? Looking for that MR degree. No, no, computer science degree, right? Did anyone else get that MR degree? No, okay, sorry, whatever. Georgia College used to be an all-girls college, right? Right? So when guys go, no, whatever, all right. It's not. Wow, okay. <laughs> Samantha Hobby, still undecided, but leaning towards a nursing program at Georgia uh, uh, Technical College. She says she's too young to make such big decisions. I love Samantha Hobby for that. Your mama said that, not me. Thank you. <laughs> Mercer is currently in pilot school. LaRon is attending the University of West Georgia. Is that right? Yes, sir. Avery Slay, Columbus State. 
history, education, double major. Is that right? Yep. And then Renata uh, plans to attend West Georgia Technical College, pursue nursing, get her BSN, and work towards her MSN. Is that right? All right. Let's give them all one big hand one more time. Let me, let me pray for them, okay? Father in heaven, I thank you for the accomplishments of all of these high school and college graduates. Lord, from the time, even before they were born, Lord, you had your hand on them. You formed them. You created them into the exact uh, people that you wanted them to be. And Lord, now, uh, through, through various trials and, and, and different benchmarks and, and uh, different accomplishments, Lord, they are here at graduation or, or college. And so, Lord, we pray, as Wendy prayed a moment ago, Lord, that you would bless them now. Thank you for what you've done in their life. But, Lord, we know that you're going ahead of them. And so, Spirit, I ask that you go ahead of them, prepare them for the, thing, for the things that are to come, prepare their hearts. Lord, be with their future families, their future children, their future careers. May they seek you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them one more hand. Real Church, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I am a millennial. A study was done a few years ago that millennials are very close to their grandparents. Tiffany and I are very close to our grandparents. Anytime I get around somebody who is older than me, I always try to listen to what they have to say because they are experienced and I'm assuming that they are wise, right? If someone, if someone tells me something who is older than me, I always try to pay attention. Uh, if someone sits me down and looks me dead in the eye and has a conversation with me, I definitely want to try to pay attention to that. Uh, a man by the name of Brad Paisley wrote a country song about that. Let's get that image up on the screen. It's meant to be a little fuzzy, okay? It's meant to be a little fuzzy, but this is Brad Paisley sitting down with who is that? Andy Griffith, right? Does anyone know what song this is? No. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Waiting on a woman. Waiting on a woman. Here's the first two verses of Waiting on a Woman. And this is more about the old man than it is about the woman. I'm just saying that to just <laughs> preface this. All right. Sitting on a bench at West Town Mall, he sat down in his overalls and he asked me, Are you waiting on a woman? I nodded, yeah, and said, how about you? And he said, son, since 1952, I've been waiting on a woman. You can hear Andy Griffith saying that, right? Yeah. When I picked her up on our first date, I told her I'd be there at 8. She came down the stairs at 8.30. She said, I'm so sorry it took so long. I didn't like the thing that I tried on. But let me tell you, son, she sure looked pretty. Yeah, she'll take her time, but I don't mind waiting on a woman. Brad Paisley has always fascinated me as an artist because he is always, he's always thinking outside the box, right? And to bring, bring in Andy Griffith, a legend like that, on a song and just write about some of the realities of life, it's a pretty cool thing to be able to witness. But what got my attention about this and what got me thinking about this song was the fact that Brad Paisley, a younger guy, sat down with an older gentleman, Andy Griffith, and they had a conversation. And Andy Griffith was willing to give him a lot of good information about what it takes to be married, right? Likewise, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 
there is an older man, we all assume it's Solomon, we don't know for sure if it's Solomon or not, but most people suspect that it's Solomon who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He begins in chapter 12, goes all the way, uh, begins in chapter 1, goes all the way to chapter 12, and he writes about life, and he writes about knowledge, and he writes about wisdom, and he writes about understanding. He writes about all these things, and he gets to the very, very end at chapter 12, and he he is zoomed in on his reader, Uh, and his listener, and he is trying to tell them some very, very practical advice. So here it is, Graduate Sunday. I felt like it was necessary to share what Solomon had to say to his reader. Because if we believe that God's Word is all-powerful, and that it's inerrant, that it's all-correct, and that it's powerful and it has the power and authority to change our lives, not only was Solomon writing Uh, We assume Solomon, not only was he writing to the people who were reading his script, but if we believe that the Word of God is supernatural, we have to believe that he is writing to you and I at the same time, all right? None of us in here, I don't think, have have had 700 wives and 300 concubines and, and experienced a lot of life and had as much money and wisdom as Solomon did. I think there's something to learn here, all right? So I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we're going to pull some truths out of it, not only that that have to do with our seniors, but also in our daily lives. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your Creator. It says, honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember Him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim in your old, old eyes. And rain clouds continually darken your sky. Verse 3. Remember him before your legs. The guards of your house start to tremble. And before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth. Your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the window see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed. And the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds. And all their sounds will grow faint. Verse 5. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. And you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Before him, before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral, yes, remember your creator now while you were young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the jar is smashed, the water jar is smashed at the spring, and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. He makes a transition here in verse 8. He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. If you read all throughout Ecclesiastes, you'll see that he uses that phrase a lot. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise. He's referring to himself. You see a capital T there. And he, and he taught people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truth clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like, nail st- are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Verse 12, but my child, 
Let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Let's pray together. Father, there's nothing that has the authority to speak into our lives more than your, than your word to us. Your word is a love letter to us. What we, read, what we just read was wisdom that was recorded a long time ago. But Lord, we believe that your word is timely and it's timeless. We believe that it's timely and that when we read it, when you lead us to it, when we come to church and we read certain scriptures and they're brought to our attention, it is what we need to hear at that given moment. Lord, we also believe that your word is timeless. We believe that your word never expires. It never needs to be updated. It never needs to be upgraded in any way. It never fails. It's reliable. It's the truth. And Lord, may we hold true to the, to the truth. This morning, Lord, we have been brought to this topic of wisdom and accomplishment and remembering you in our youth. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to do that at this time. We need your help doing it. We can't do it on our own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are a few things that I want you to see here in this text. The first one is very, very obvious. And these are very obvious, but I really want to open up and expound on these a little bit. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Remember God when you were young. If you look at the first six verses of Ecclesiastes 12, you're going to see that the word remember is used seven times. Seven times in six verses. Remember uh, in your excitement. In your excitement, remember God. As a graduate, it's an exciting time. I remember I'm the campus pastor now. In addition to my role here at Real Church, I'm the campus pastor for Central Christian School. And I remember standing right here just a few weeks, I guess about a month or so ago, right before we took the seniors on a trip up to the ark. And I said, listen, guys, over these next 30 days, it's going to be very exciting for you. There's a lot of cool things coming. People are going to be giving you money, gift cards. You're going to get to go on trips. You're going to be honored. You're going to get diplomas. You're going to get to dress up in your regalia with a tassel and the hat. First time many folks have ever done that before, which is a pretty cool experience. I said, this trip is just one of those things that you get to do. And it's going to be fun. And I'm going to try to make it the best possible trip for you. Just don't act like heathens on the trip. Deal? Deal. And they didn't. Right, Miss Maine? They didn't. They did great. They did great. I think they were more scared of Miss Maine than they were of me, but that's okay. But here's the deal. Listen, there's, listen, graduates and everyone else, you know this to be true. In our lives, there's going to be high peaks of excitement, of good things that happen in our lives. And sometimes we see it coming. Sometimes we don't see it coming. For all of these parents, you've kind of probably dreaded this this graduate video and, 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 you know, the emotions and everything going along with it. You don't want your baby to move out and all that kind of good stuff. That one's kind of premeditated, but there's going to be exciting things that happen. And the old man here in Ecclesiastes 12 is telling you to remember God while you're young. And I think one of the best ways to do that, and you may try to th you may think, well, like how do I do that? How do I put that in a practical sense? One thing that I've always found helpful is to write stuff down. Write stuff down. 
I know it seems old school and that sort of thing, whatever, but there's something psychological about physically writing something down that helps you to remember and helps you to, to, to uh, recall and apply things to your life. One thing that I would encourage you to do, graduates, is make a list. Simply write down all of the people who have helped you to get you where you are today. Because I'm here to tell you that those people have been appointed by God to get you where you are now. It could be your parents, hopefully it's your parents, your siblings, maybe not your siblings. Maybe you can't wait to move out from your home from your siblings. Amen, Avery? Amen. It could be grandparents. It could be your church. Sorry, Alex. It could be your church. It could be a guidance counselor. Right, Wendy Williams? Yeah. Wendy, every single week your name's going to get mentioned from the pulpit. It's just going to happen. If it's not me, it's Barry. If it's not Barry, it's going to be somebody else. I'm so sorry. Tiffany, you're next. It could be teachers, such as Miss Maynon here. It could be maybe, maybe growing up you've had your rounds with certain heart conditions or cancers or whatever. Maybe it's the fact that a doctor kept you alive to get to this point, right? It's a tough thing. What about coaches? Does anyone have any special coaches in their life? No, none. Wow, okay. Other leaders, maybe it's an employer, I don't know. But I think one of the best ways for you to remember God while you're young and to remember God in this excitement is, is, is just sit down and make a list of people who have brought you to where you are. Thank God for those people and thank God for appointing those people in your life to play that role for you. All right? Here's the second one I want you to see. Listen to the experienced. Look down in verses 1 through 7. Every time you hear the writer say remember or you see him write remember, there are strong indications that this person is much later in years. Let me give you some examples and we're going to walk through these. Look at verse 2 right up here. Verse 2. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars dim in your old eyes, and the rain clouds continually darken your sky. In other words, this writer is saying, hey, I've been where you are. I've seen bright color. I've seen vibrant color. Here I am, but now I'm an older man. The stars are going to be dim in your old eyes. Rain clouds will continually darken your sky. He's appealing to the senses. He uses the word remember. And then he expresses what's going to happen to you when you get old. Right? All right. Number, verse 2. Or verse 3. Again, he says, remember him before your legs. And then on down, he talks about... Uh, uh, remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding before your eyes, and on it goes. Let's, go, let's look at the next one. Remember him before life, before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, and the sounds will grow faint. In other words, it's your awareness of your opportunities that are coming, but also as you get older, you start to lose your hearing a little bit. Okay, thank you. Well, let's see the next one, Lynn. Or Alex, sorry. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Your ability to stay safe, right? And keep yourself safe. Before your hair turns white, I will not ask for any comments out there. 
uh, and then before your energy starts diminishing like a young grasshopper, all right? And then the caperberry is, is, makes reference to your ability to reproduce. It's a part of life. And once you get older, it's not going to happen anymore. That's just the way it goes. Remember him before you're near the grave, your everlasting home. You see what he's doing? He's saying, remember, 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 remember. And here's what's going to happen to you as you get older. And he lists those things out. Is there another one, Lynn? Or Alex? Okay, one more. Here it is, verse 6. Remember your creator now while you were young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until your water jar is smashed. What does that mean? That means that the older you get, the fewer opportunities that you get. This guy is saying, listen, I'm older, I've lived, I've experienced this, and I want to help you. I've lived this, I've experienced it, this is what happens when you get older, I want to help you. I encourage you to listen to people who love you enough to give you humble advice about life. Let's look at the third one. Seek the wise. Look down at verses 8 through 10. And I want to preface this by saying something that, we're, that ties back to the second point. Not all people who are experienced are also wise. Not all people who are experienced are also wise. That's not the truth. There are people who are older in life and who have never seemed to make that connection with wisdom. Maybe even ever. Does anyone know anybody like that? Don't you dare point fingers in church. We're in church. It happens. Graduates, what I'm saying to you and everyone else, what I'm saying to you is the fact that there are people who have lived life and they're going to try to give you advice, but they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Why? Because they've lived their life, they've made mistakes, and they have never sought after God to fix those mistakes and to do it better the next time, and they've never sought wisdom in the areas of their life where they need to seek it. They've, they've never done that before. He says in verse 9, well, he, he, verses 8 through 12, what he does is he gives us a, li a list of reasons why he is wise and what he's done. Look down in verse 9. He says, keep this in mind, the teacher was considered wise, he taught the people everything he knew, he listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. What does that mean? It means that he had a reputation for being wise. Some of you may see Pastor Barry that way, some of you may see Lynn or other uh, people in the church that way. You see them as wise, so wise counsel, they have that reputation, so if you need wisdom, you go to them and you get that wisdom. Solomon was that person, we assume it was Solomon, was that person. And then he taught the people everything that he knew, right? And then he did something else. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. He listened to them. Once he listened to them, he studied them. He meditated on them. And then he classified them. And as people would come to him, he would share those nuggets of wisdom with them. All right? Verse 10, he says... Uh, the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truth clearly. And this one hangs me up because he sought the right words, he sought the right situations, and he sought the right angles to come at someone. Have you ever told someone something that you know they needed to hear, but you came to them in the wrong context? You said the right thing at the wrong time. The right thing at the wrong time ends in disaster all the time. I'm telling you, 
All right? I'm telling you. What he did was he, he, people considered him wise. They came to him. He studied the Proverbs. He classified them. But here's the deal. What, you can do all that. You can study all those things. But until you start sharing that wisdom, you start to learn that there are flaws in, in the human lines of communication, which means sometimes you come up to somebody at the wrong time and say the wrong thing, right? It happens. It happens sometimes, and it's trial and error. And so what makes me feel better, uh, it makes me feel not near as foolish, is the fact that Solomon went through the same thing. He would approach people, or people would approach him. He would give wisdom, and sometimes he would approach them from the wrong angle or the wrong kind of context or whatever. And so he did that, and, and, and we, we can learn from him that that's normal. It's going to happen. He said he sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. Look at verse 11. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with, with which a shepherd drives the sheep. In other words, wise words can be painful. Do you agree? Raise your hand if you agree. Raise your hand if you agree. Wise words can be painful, but also wise words can be Helpful, and they are helpful. Oftentimes we have to get through the pain before we can get to the help. As human beings, we want to go about it the opposite way. We want the help before we get to the pain. The reality is our own stubborn, sinful nature is what got us to the pain, and we don't want to hear the wisdom. We don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to hear whatever's going on. He said it's like a nail-studded stick, which means that Solomon learned that wisdom, uh, wisdom, knowledge, and all the things that you can learn from it intertwine with each other, and they form uh, symbolically a nail-studded stick that a shepherd uses to drive sheep. And then in verse 12, he says, But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. All of our college students in here are saying yes, 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 yes. Did they wear you out at Georgia, Eva? Did they wear you out at West Georgia Tech, Tanner? They wear you out. They wear you out. What he's saying to us is he's saying you want to seek wisdom, you want to pursue wisdom, you want to write, you want to learn, you want to classify but you don't want to wear yourself out doing it, all right? Pretty solid knowledge there. Here's the fourth thing that I want you to see, and this is very plain. He says it right here in verse 13. He says, fear God and keep his commands, for this is everyone's duty. What we see here is we see the last two verses of Ecclesiastes, chapter, uh, of the book of Ecclesiastes, but there's two parts of this. Fear God. That's more, more or less of a respect. Not be scared of God, but respect God for how he made things. He made things in a certain way. That way, if you behave in this manner, this will happen to you. If so-and-so behaves in this manner, this will happen to you. If you act unjustly, someone will come along and straighten you out with a cattle prod, right? That's the way it happens. God uses those people to do that. Respect the way that God made everything. Have a healthy view of his majesty. The second part is to obey his commands. Sometimes when we hear the commands, we think about, okay, well, we got the Ten Commandments. I know the Ten Commandments. I can obey the Ten Commandments. I can handle that, right? They're just ten. In order to be a Christian, you can just obey Ten Commandments, and you're cool, right? Right? No. There's more to it. There's more to it. 
Ten Commandments come to mind. But what I think about when I hear obey his commands, I think about the truths that Jesus spoke about other people, about money, about our enemies, about forgiveness, truths about the kingdom of God. And as we study those things, we learn and we find out that there are ways, there are more ways than we thought that we can obey God. I think about truths that were spoken by Paul and other New Testament writers about oneness in the body, spiritual power, spiritual fruit, adoption, all those things. As you study those things, you're going to become more aware of ways that you can obey God. Seniors, in closing, I just want to say that, that everyone wants the absolute best for you. One cool thing about being in a church that's closely knitted is having people that you can call on at all times of the night for whatever you need. For whatever you need. We're a community of believers who all love Jesus. We all want to help. Most everybody in this room has wore uh, uh, their cap and their tassel and their gown and they've, got, and, they, and they've been able to move the tassel and they've, they, they've reached that accomplishment in their life. And I want to tell you that, no, that everyone in this room wants the best for you. No one wants you to fail. No one wants you to trip. No one wants you to feel lonely. No one wants any of that for you. What they want from you is to know that people, that, that, that they're proud of you, but, but, that, but they're also there to help you. Even when you think that people can't, it's a cool thing about being in a church because people come from various different directions and backgrounds, yet they all, we all have that one common bond of believing in Jesus Christ and loving Jesus and trying to be like Jesus. Let's pray together, okay? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come and to hear more about what wisdom looks like in your word, how we can apply it to our lives, things that we can remember that we should remember. Lord, there should, be never, there should never be a time in our life when we say, I'm a wise person and I don't need to know anything else. Lord, life is a learning journey that we all go on, that we all go on together and we do our best to emulate Jesus and we do our best to have a relationship with him and, and to ask for forgiveness as much as possible and to, and to just depend on his grace day in and day out as we wake up in the morning. Lord, you, we, you say in your word that your mercies are new every morning. And I, for one, am glad that your mercies are new every morning because I need them and everyone in here needs them. Lord, if you're leading someone to come and confess Christ for the first time that they believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross and by him dying on the cross, raising from the dead, standing victorious over sin, that they can be forgiven for everything that they ever have done wrong, everything they are doing wrong, and everything they ever will do wrong. That's possible through your grace. I pray that person would make that known here to someone here this morning. It doesn't have to be during the invitation. It can be. It's preferred. But Lord, if they need to tell somebody that and they have more questions about Jesus, I pray that you would prompt them to do that. And Lord, if they do have questions about you and they're avoiding it, I pray that you would make them uncomfortable until they do. Lord, there are people here who have never joined real church. I pray that today would be the day that they come forth and say, I want to be a part of what God's doing here at real church. Lord, for all other things, 
Maybe folks in the room this morning have had a hard time remembering to ask you for wisdom. You say in, in, in James 1 that those who lack wisdom, those who need understanding, those who need knowledge, who need to hear from God, need wisdom from God, to simply ask and you give it. And so I pray that you would lead people to do that this morning and make recommitments to that, to that truth. We thank you for our graduates, for all they mean to us. Help us to uh, just take this opportunity to be obedient to you during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.